Uh, good to see you this morning. Uh, and welcome, welcome again to our morning service and time of worship, a time of praise uh, to come together and encourage, encourage one another. And it's great to see you here this morning. Great to see you because I, I, I believe, I guess my faith is that you're here because, um, well, the Lord, Lord has something for you, but also because in your heart, in your heart of hearts, that you do, you do want to hear what the Lord has to say to you. You do want to hear what the Bible teaches us and for you and for your sake. Um, and that's really, that's beautiful. You know, how many people in this world today, uh, you know, continue to ignore what God has to say to them and, 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 and turn their face from what God has to say to them and just, you know, think, oh, who cares? doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, this thing of God and this thing of the Bible. So many people in this world today that do that. And it's like this utter disrespect for what the Lord has done for them, the very fact that he has created them, the very fact that he's given them his word and his son, and this is, you know, this utter ignorance and disrespect to what he's done. But yet you come, you know, regularly, you come faithfully to listen to what the Lord has done. And that's really encouraging for me to see that you do that. So leave behind, you know, perhaps some things that you've been thinking or leave behind, you know, the, the, the hurts and the pains this morning and maybe leave behind the, the people who've let you down, even the religious people that have let you down in the past. Leave it behind and just come in this morning and listen to what the Lord has to say to you because He loves you. He, it's Him that cares for you. It's Him that has a word for you. And I know sometimes, you know, we can be discouraged and and it it can set us back you know what people have done and what people have said um but we want to we want to just come with a heart that's opened we want to come with a heart that is ready to receive what the lord has to say to us that's all we want to give you this morning we just want to give you what the lord has to say um and we always encourage you to come and ask questions we encourage you to come and and share your thoughts and even if you perhaps don't understand something or even disagree with something you know we're always happy to discuss that with you and and share our thoughts thoughts with you. So it's lovely to see you this morning. So let's pray. Let's uh, let's come this morning and and ask the Lord's blessing on His Word. Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity to come before Your Word and to open our hearts to receive what You have to say. Father, we pray that Your Holy Spirit is working in the midst of us and speaking to us that we are ready to listen and to receive and to do this is where the power is lord this is where the joy is this is where the freedom is we love you lord and we thank you for this morning and we pray in jesus name amen um some of you will be familiar there is a, a health condition or health conditions that um, they're, they're called autoimmune diseases. And, and some of you would be familiar with an autoimmune disease. And it's a, I always find it's, a kind of, it's, it's actually for quite an interesting disease because the immune system has this way for people who have this, have this way of attacking its own cells. It works against its own cells in the body. And you think about that and you think, oh, that's kind of odd because what should be helping you, you know, the, the system that is in place that should be helping you is actually 
now working against you. you know? And of, there are you know, medicines and all kinds of things that can help with that. But I, I'm fascinated with this because the idea that how what should be by design should be helping is actually going against and, and harming the actual body. And I think about that in light of what God has given us in his church and, I give, and, and how God, it's like a picture for us to understand how his own body works in the, in the church. Because God refers to, he refers to the church, or he refers to his people as a body. He refers to physically as a body, people like, like the body has hands and feet and eyes and a head and God refers to his church and his people like a body. And what, God, what, he, what he reminds us in the word is that the body is put together in this way for it to actually be a help for one another and not a hindrance. Yeah, To be a help for one another and not a people who then fight against each other or fight against themselves. Because that would be unhelpful. That would be wrong. That would be a hindrance to us growing. You know, we'd need some kind of help <laughs> if that was happening. We'd need something, a remedy to do that. So he's placed these people together, different backgrounds, different cultures, different ideas, different opinions, different experiences, and he's brought them all together under one faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, and he's asked them to dwell among one another, dwell with one another in a way that will give and build rather than attack and break down. Yeah, That's what he's done for us. So much so that when the Bible, when God tells us of the, the body and how the body is meant to function and meant to operate, he actually goes to the length to say that you, just because you're not something, you can't say you're not of the body. So just because, I, I can't remember the exact parts of the body, but it's like just because the hand says, I'm not the eye, therefore I'm not of the body, he says, that's not right. Just because you're not somebody else in the church, just because you're not somebody else doing something for the body of Christ, it doesn't mean you're any less part of the body or even not of the body. He goes, it can't be like that. And, and in the same way, we don't say, oh, because I do this and someone else does something else, therefore they are less important than me. So the body functions in this way. My body doesn't wake up in the morning communicating to itself in some um, random and artificial way to say, okay, hand, you know, you're so good, you better do this now because I'm the foot. It just does it all very naturally. It's built and it's designed to do it very naturally and to communicate very naturally to one another. And so it is for the body of Christ. We don't do things artificially. We don't, do, we don't, we don't think to ourselves, you know, I've got to work extra hard on a Sunday to do something or I've got to work extra hard on a Tuesday to do something. We just do it very naturally. Who we are today or with one another is who we are tomorrow with one another. It's just a very natural way of living just like the body is. And we see this working, and we see this quite significant when things happen like last week's baptism or the funeral on Monday that we had. We see it happening very naturally. People just get up and move. 
People just get up and do. People just get up and love. People just get up and support. People just get up and pray. People just get, they just move very naturally. Because this is how the body functions. This is how the body works. And so for us to be in this position to be able to do this is an absolute honor and a privilege. And me, when I look, I see there's, there's, great, there's joy in my heart when I see the body operating and functioning in a very natural, loving, caring way where everybody is playing their part in the way they ought to be played. Until someone stops doing that, until someone decides that they don't want to do that, they dig their heels in so they can't use their foot, it's when they start doing that, that's when the issues arise. All of a sudden, the body is malfunctioning. It's attacking itself. And that's not what God designed. So I wanna, what I would like to do in order to try and, and really um, piece these things together... I want to share with you these incredible, wonderful, many, many verses in the Bible that, that talk about how we are to be with one another. And there's loads of them. There's loads of them in the Bible. And we're not going to go through every one of them because I think there's enough for one a week for a whole year, at least. And we're not going to go through each one of them. Uh, although, could you imagine doing that for a whole year, one a week? Uh, we spoke about where the Bible tells us to do something for one another. That would be actually quite an interesting study to do that. But I want to group a few together and just come up with a few themes over the next couple of weeks that share with, share with us the importance of these, of these one another's, if you like, or the way we are to be with one another as God has intended it. Because i tell you the truth. This is where we see Jesus. This is where we actually see Jesus. How do we see him? Well, you know, we can talk. We can talk. And we can say to people how much we love each other. And we can say to people how much we care for each other. But where we really see Jesus is the one another. The way we are to one another. And this is where it really matters. Because the hand can say as much as it wants, it's the hand. But until it functions like one, is it really? Is it doing what it's meant to be doing? And so this is where we actually see Jesus at work. We really are able to experience it, touch it, feel it, understand it in the way it's meant to be. And I tell you the truth, it's an absolute honor to be in a place where you can be the one another to someone else. But it's also a real honor to be able to receive it. And so we are in a place where we can be this to someone else and we can also receive it. This is what God has called us to. So, when this is functioning like this, God has placed us in what he calls the fellowship. And that's his design. And to try and avoid it is like trying to avoid life. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, A man or a woman who isolates themselves seeks their own desire. They rage against all wise judgment. It's, a, it's actually quite, it, it's an important verse to understand. Because the way God's called us, he's called us not to isolate ourselves. 
He hasn't called us to separate ourselves and keep to ourselves. He's called us by design to be in fellowship with one another and to be in community with one another. That's how God's designed us to be. So the person who tries to isolate themselves actually are people who try and seek their own desire. They're not interested in working with other people. They're not interested in working as a body, functioning together as a community, being a one another to someone else, receiving it from other people. They're really not interested at the heart of what that means. They really are interested in doing their own desire. And then they rage against all wise judgment because someone, as soon as someone leans in and says, hey, do you think that's a good thing to be doing? Oh, they get all upset. Why are you bothering me for it's my life? Maybe not like that. Maybe in their hearts they say that. And so they rage against all wise judgment because they're not interested in rubbing shoulders and having fellowship and, and helping one another and being there for one another. They're, they're, they're a lot more concerned with what they want themselves. So when we function this way, we need to be really careful of things like being critical, you know, criticism, um, things like complaining about other people, things like the, the log in our own eye, even careful about the things like the judgment we measure people with. Yeah, because that's also quite a risky one. Because the Bible says with the, with, the, with the measure we measure, it'll also be measured back to us. So I want to go through some of these one another's with you. And, um, and I don't mind if you don't open your Bible, because I'm going to read them out. Yeah. But if you're really quick, you can open up your Bible. Because I'm going to read where the verse is from. But if you don't want to this week and next, that's okay. No one's going to judge you for opening up your Bible. I'm going to read them. I'm going to reference them. Because they're kind of different parts in the Bible. But I want to put them in little, I guess, themes to help understand. And I think, if I ask the question, if I think, if I ask, which one do you think I'm going to talk about first? I think most people in this room would probably be able to guess it. If I was going to say to you, which theme of one another, that God asks us to do something to one another, I think most people would guess which one that would be. Okay. It's found lots of times in the Bible. It's spoken about in lots of ways. Jesus said it. The apostles said it. It's this kind of constant theme all the way through from Genesis all the way through the New Testament. This constant theme that we are told as the body that functions well, that works for one another, not against one another. It's, we're, we're always and constantly told to love one another. Yeah, to love one another. Why? <laughs> Why are we constantly told to love one another? Why not is one enough? Why is it just Jesus said it once? That's it. Done. Let's do it. Let's love one another. Why are we constantly told to love one another? Why are we constantly reminded to love one another? Why, why is, as, if like, as if like we're forgetting. And so we're constantly told, let's love one another. Let's be loving to one another. Let's show love to one another. Why are we reminded constantly of these things? Well, you know what? Probably you're the best judge of that. That we are the best judge of why we are constantly told to love one another. Because how many times have you heard a preaching or a word or a song and you think to yourself, yes, I have to love. 
How many times have you thought like that? I know, thanks, I know, you reminded me, I've got to love. How many times have you thought like that and considered that? And so God, in his wisdom, for whatever reason it is, continues to remind us to be able to do this because we find ourselves maybe too often in a place where it, we struggle to this, what seems to be a very simple task or request, love one another. Because this is where the body doesn't fall into some disease that attacks itself. It's where the body finds itself feeding and nurturing and encouraging and is the actual remedy for anything that wants to come in and break it down. Yeah, We love one another. Maybe it's so important because the Bible, when it speaks about love, it speaks about it as being the fulfillment of the law. It speaks about it as the bond of perfection. It speaks about it as the summary of the commandments. It speaks about it as the imitation of Christ. And maybe for all those reasons and even more, the Bible continues to remind us of to love one another. So, so very simply, just ask yourself, how, how well, how good are you in loving one another? It, it's, not a, it's not a hard thing to reflect on. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a quiz On loving one another. You know the Bible has a quiz? How to love one another? It's the imitation of Christ, brothers and sisters. It's the imitation of Christ. You know one of the most serious and probably most debilitating comments that people have made to me over the years, which maybe they don't realise they're making, is when it's just three words. But it's, it's very serious and, and, and very um, debilitating. It really binds us. It really makes, it, it makes us not free. Yeah? Is when you share things with people and then they say something like this, but that's Jesus. Yeah, but that's Jesus. Have you heard that before? You share with someone something, oh, but that's Jesus. What are you expecting me to do? That's, Je- that's, he- that's, that's the Son of God. <laughs> And I find that a really interesting phrase because I, while I'm compassionate in trying to understand why they're saying that, I'm concerned at the same time why they're choosing to say it. Because any time we're called to do something that God has commanded us to do, He's commanded us to do it because it is for our good and He knows we're able to do it. Does that make sense? Because He knows. It's for, God is not going to tell us anything that's not for our good. He's not telling us anything that's going to hurt us harm us, destroy us. He's telling us everything that so that we can feel free and alive and joyful and at peace. And so when he commands us to do things like love one another, he does this because he knows it is good for us and good, obviously, for his body. So for us to say, but that's Jesus, is, is quite a serious comment. It's, a, it's, a, it's the statement of the heart that is, ought to be, ought, we ought to challenge it because, because what are we saying about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. How, how powerful is that no longer? It is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus just as powerful today as it was back then? Has it ever been as powerful? Has it any, been any less powerful than it ever was? So when we say, but that's Jesus, we struggle to understand just how significant and how powerful the cross and the resurrection was. 
Jesus did not die and did not rise so that we can remain in our sin. And it's as if to say, oh, but that's Jesus. Jesus died and he rose again so you could have victory and freedom from these things. Do you understand? This is the power of the resurrection. This is the power of the cross. And so, so we, we ought to challenge this. It's not strange. It's not radical. It's not bizarre. It's the truth. I want to illustrate this. Who likes, um, who likes Charlie Brown? Anyone? I like Charlie Brown. Snoopy, Charlie Brown, you know, the Peanuts cartoons. I want to share with you one time, um, it's Christmas time, and, you know, Lucy, you know, everyone knows Lucy. Um, so Lucy comes in where Charlie Brown is standing and says, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. It's a season of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Therefore, I suggest we forget all our differences and love one another. Charlie Brown's face lights up. And he says, that's wonderful, Lucy. I'm so glad that you said that. But tell me, do we have to love each other only at this season of the year? Why can't we love each other all year long? Lucy responds, what are you, a fanatic or something? <laughs> In true Lucy style, yeah? Because, what, because, again, this is the whole idea. Is it just sometimes? Are we that fanatical that we can love all the time? Is it that bizarre and crazy that somehow it's possible to always be loving? As if like it's beyond us and that somehow uh, it only can happen uh, at certain, in certain times and in certain ways and for certain people? No. The Bible says love one another. The person who treats you well and the person who doesn't treat you well. The person that's really easy to get along with and the person who's not that easy to get along with, dare I say, who's annoying. The person who's difficult and the person who's kind of relaxed. The person who's intentionally trying to make life hard for you and the person who's always helpful. The Bible doesn't tell me who. It just says love one another. It just says to love one another. Because love my brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, is a choice. We choose to love. And by the strength of the Lord, and by the grace given to us, we love. You're not going to be surrounded by everybody who's nice to you. You're not going to be in a church community with people you always get along with, or always think the same as you. But you are called to love one another. So there's a, a quiz, if you like, in the Bible that helps us understand a little bit about love. And you all know it. You just haven't called it a quiz. You all know it, yeah? And the Bible talks about this. But let me ask you these, um, what is it, eight, nine very simple questions about love. And then for us to come to the Lord and say, Lord, yes, that's me. Oh, no, Lord, then you, you need to help me. Uh, with this because we're called to love one another so here it is firstly am i patient am i patient you know it, do, do people do things and i find myself a kind of person who is always reactive quick to react quick to say something quick to put down you know 
Uh, quick to have my rights announced in front of everybody. Uh, quick to do things that are more of a reaction rather than an act of patience. Because love is patient. Second one, am I kind? Quiz. Just ask yourself, tick, yes or no. Am I kind? Am I the kind of person who looks for ways to actually be kind to people? Do I find opportunities rather than just wait for them to come my way? Am I the kind of person who says, how can I, be, how can I actually be kind to people? How can I look for ways deliberately to be kind, even when maybe I, it's putting me kind of a little bit out of place for a little bit? Like maybe it's not as comfortable or it's, it's taking a bit of my time. But how can I find ways to be kind? Can you imagine people, a group of people, can you imagine the body of Christ? Can you imagine life, people in this world who are constantly, constantly looking for ways to be kind to one another? Oh, wasn't there something like that recently? Be kind July or something? I find that interesting because it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's kindness all year round, isn't it? Am I kind? Here's another one. Am I envious? That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because love isn't envious. In other words, love doesn't actually look at someone and thinks, oh man, you know, I wish I was like them and I want to be like them to the point where it create, creates a gap between you and someone else because it doesn't matter. You don't need to be like them. You just need to be like God has planned for you to be. That's where peace is. So love is not envy. Love doesn't go around envying people. Love is able to find a contentment in themselves. Love is not boastful. Am I boastful? Here I am. Do I, go, do I like going around talking to people about myself? What I've done, where I've been, where I've travelled. Do I go around, do I like the idea, I want people to hear it. I want, I want to be the centre and I want people to know about it. Am I proud? Am I rude? In other words, do I find opportunities... Sorry, uh, am I, do I find myself... Uh, de, um, uh, my, my life comes across with a rudeness... Am I self-seeking? Am I easily angered? And here's the last one. Do I keep records of wrongs? Have we done that before? In the love quiz, have we done that before? Have we kept seeing what someone's done and we've kept that as a record of wrong? Because one day, just one day, we're going to remind them. One day we're going to bring it out at the right time because we keep records of wrong. I'm not talking about memories. I'm not talking about feelings and emotions. But I'm talking about the keeping of the record, the decision to hold on to it for that one day. Because love doesn't do that. And that's why it is an honour. It's an honour to be able to give this to one another. And it's an honour to be able to receive it so i think of it like this i think as the bible tells us that owe no one anything in romans 13 owe no one anything except to love one another for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law so i think of it like that i think okay if i'm going to owe anyone in this church anything if there's one thing i'm going to say to myself i owe you 
That's pretty powerful. Yeah? Have you ever owed someone something? If you're like me, if you owe someone some money, like, you want to give it back. You, know? you want to hurry up and give it back. You want to work intentionally to give it back. You know? Or someone loans you something, you want to kind of, you're on, it's on your mind, you, want to, you owe it back to them. You know? If there's one thing I'm going to owe you as a church, it's to love you. And there's one thing you can owe one another, it's to love each other. It's not, it's not, um, it's not that hard to understand. So when you want something from someone, think, what do I owe them? And it's to love one another. What do I owe to people around me? It's to love them. What do I owe my parents? It's to love them. What do I owe my children? It's to love them. What do I owe my brother and sister? To love them. That's what I owe them. Yeah, I can ask for many things from them, but what do I owe them? That's the love. Now imagine, imagine, imagine the church, the church who functions this way. It was C.S. Lewis that said, love is unselfishly choosing for another's highest good. How do, I, how do I make sure that someone else is experiencing the best that they can experience? We love one another. I was going to go through one more this morning, then I'll finish. Can anyone guess what the second one might be? We love one another. It's all over the scriptures. It's all over the Bible. But here's one that I love. And it's in Jesus, talks about this in John 13, verses 14 to 15. And if you remember, he has just finished doing what? Washing the feet of his disciples. One of the most lowest of jobs in that day. The servants did it, perhaps even the servants of the servants did it. One of the lowest jobs was to wash the feet along the dusty and dirty roads. And he just washed his disciples' feet and he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Everyone's probably thinking, what are you going to make me do? You're going to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as, have I, as I have done to you. And I love this passage because really this one and so many other verses remind us of how we ought to be humble toward one another because the humble person or the person who is humble is able to wash the other person the other person's feet the person who's humble is able to say to themselves you know what it's not a job that's too low for me it's fine you need your feet washed yeah i'll wash them it's not a job that it's they seem too high for no, no, that's not me. That's someone else in the church that should wash the feet of people. And I don't look at it as, as a literal washing of one another's feet, though if you want to, that's up to you. I don't see it as a washing of one another's feet. I see it, what does someone do that might seem very low, yeah? And you're still able to stoop and show love and care towards them. You don't see yourself as, as higher than them, as, as, as if they ought to wash yours because of who they are and what they've done. And this is a a reminder, because even in this time when Jesus washed the feet, he also washed the feet of Judas, who was about to betray him. It's quite normal 
for people to think of themselves better than other people, smarter than other people, and get this, even more humble than other people. It's quite normal for people to think like that. But that's not how God calls us to be. He calls us to humble ourselves. And humility isn't something that we do because it's a thought and an idea. Humility is something that we do because we imitate someone. We imitate Christ. The Bible tells us that he, when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. He was humble himself. He was humble enough himself to say, you know what, I don't like what you're saying to me, but I'm not going to say it back to you. I don't like the way you're, 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 you're making me suffer, but I'm not going to threaten you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to trust in a God, in my Father, who judges righteously. God sees what's going on. In fact, I believe you're only as strong as your humility. Do you hear that? You're only as strong. You, you can tell me. I don't care. You can tell me as much as you want. You how strong you are. Oh, I'm so strong as a Christian. I'm so strong as a person. I'm so strong. I'm so strong. You're only as strong as your humility. Because without this, you find you resist, or you find that you fight against God. So we find ourselves humble in our joy. We find ourselves humble even in our suffering. Romans 12, 16 says this, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. Listen to this. But associate with the humble and do not be wise in your own opinion. Isn't that wonderful to read? Don't go thinking so high about things. Don't, but just be, be real that you can still associate with the humble. <laughs> Don't think I'm better than that group. I'm somehow more special than that person. We, we, we don't think like that like a church. Nobody in the church is somehow more special than the other or more important than the other. The, because we don't think like that as a church because we don't think like that as Christians in the body of Christ. We don't elevate each other any more than what the Bible says. And I'm told that I am to associate with the humble and not to be wise in my own opinion. You've got an opinion? Great, tell me, because I could be wrong. You've got something to share with me? Fantastic, because maybe I can learn from you. I'm not wise in my own opinion. I don't think to myself to be somehow, I've been enlightened and you haven't, because we humble ourselves before one another. We grow through this humility. We are strong from this humility. We are only as strong as, as, as much as we, as we are humble. And it is an absolute honour again to do this to someone else as much as it is to be receiving it. So I'll leave you with those two thoughts this morning. Love one another and be humble with one another. There's more that I want to share with you, but not today. But I'll ask you today this. When we, when we look at the one another's in the Bible, do we place ourselves deliberately and faithfully as the doer of the one another. Yes, it is an honour to receive it, but do we place ourselves as the doer and keep the steps of Christ or keep the way of Christ to be the very thing that we most desire to do? It's lovely to receive, but let's be the doer in it.
Let's be the ones that can um, demonstrate, reflect, live out the very way Christ was. Who washed the feet, as we see here, and taught us to love one another as he has loved us. Let's pray. Brothers and sisters, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come and test this love and this humility in our lives. But strength comes from the Lord. And our ability to be strong it comes from God and in our ability to be able to love and to walk humbly with Him. So if you are this morning just come in a place of humility before the Lord and say, Lord, I know, I know very little of these things, but I want to know them. I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening to receive and I'm listening to give as well. I'm listening because I know you know what's best for me and I'm listening because I need to get things right with you. Come to Jesus this morning and ask him simply, Lord, I want to be able to love one another. I want to be able to walk humbly in this way and really enjoy and know the life you've given us. Just take a moment to pray to the Lord in your heart. Father, we do thank you for Jesus who becomes all that we need. He's our sufficiency, Lord. We thank you that in everything that we can illustrate him, we can demonstrate his life, his love, his humility in all that we do and say. Father, may we never um, uh, become people who say, but that's Jesus. Uh, let us take and receive all that you've asked of us through your strength and through your power and through your love. May we walk in your steps and be what we need to be to other people and bless them and encourage them and to be Christ to them. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the church and all that we've seen over the last week. We thank you and we love you and pray your face and your favour be upon us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.